It's time for the View in Your Mirror podcast. I'm Katie Harms, and along with Lisa Rubin, we help you check in and curate the best possible you and the best view in your mirror. We share tips, tricks, and strategies from our 35 plus years in our respective industries. We talk about your day from morning to night and everything in between. We share our uniqueness, relish in our shared experiences. Along the way, we share conversation with fabulous people who give us their own thought-provoking insights. So come along as we help you hone the best view in your mirror. Lisa Rubin, Katie Harms. (laughs) Good day to you, my friend. So we've been doing a little work on the website, a little work on our social media. You know, we're always, we're always looking to better the ball, improve, change, I just think that's a function of being alive as far as I'm concerned. And I think you do too, right? I do. I agree. So one thing I've noticed is it's time for us to redo our headshots. What do you think? I think that would be a good idea. It's been three years. So we haven't aged though, Katie. We haven't aged. Lisa? (laughs) Maybe a little bit of change. I think there's been a little bit of change. You know what? All positive, good, internal, external change. I was actually talking to a friend who was at a networking event and she connected with someone via LinkedIn and that person commented that she didn't look anything like her headshot, which is a little shocking if you're the person hearing that. Like, is that good? Is that bad? You don't don't know where to go with that. And, And I think... I think we still look very much like our headshot. So I'm not saying that. And I think my friend looks like her headshot also. So I don't know where that was coming from, but you must have clients who go through this. How often do they change their headshots? I encourage them to change their headshots at least every five years, uh, their professional headshots. I mean, a lot of my clients who are with law firms, accounting firms, corporations, They seem to be getting their headshots redone every three to five years. I think it's important. I've had so many clients recently who are going to be getting new headshots. And of course, they want me to help them. And they always are worried about if it's a headshot, so waist up, or is it shoulder up, is it waist up? I always ask those questions. They sometimes don't even know the answer. They're very concerned about what they're wearing. But the main thing I try to talk to them about is their hair and their makeup. And so many of my clients do not wear makeup. So they cringe at the whole makeup piece. And so I have to kind of go over with them, especially as we age, that it's very important to have foundation of some kind, just a light foundation, something around your eyes and lipstick. I don't mean red lipstick. I mean just a color so that everything in your face pops. And so many people don't think about that. They're only concerned about what they're wearing. And for a headshot, I mean, you're not going to wear something sexy if you're taking a corporate headshot. So you should have a jacket a suit, or something. But it's really more important about your hair and your makeup. And I always encourage people, especially if they have longer hair or they have hair, you know, maybe at their chin or something, go get your hair blown out. And actually, if you can have somebody professional do your makeup, because you are going to like your photo better. And don't get worried that they're going to put too much makeup on because a headshot is very different than getting your makeup done for a wedding or an event. And a good makeup person will understand that and know that. You didn't mention mascara. I'm interested what your thoughts are on mascara. Um, I think that's one of the most important things to put on your eyes is mascara. You don't have to put eyeshadow on, but you need to fill in your eyebrows and you need to put mascara on. And I just had one client the other day who absolutely does not wear mascara, foundation or lipstick, has never bought it in her life. And she was doing an updated headshot. And I said, you have to get some mascara. She started laughing at me. I said, we will do a tutorial on actually how to put it on properly. And I will send you some links on a lipstick that you'll be willing to wear. And she just sent me her headshots. They looked 
fantastic because what happens is, is you can see her eyes, you can see her cheekbones, you can see her lips. She looks more alive. And <laughs> she did thank me. Okay. And, and she said, and she said, my partner didn't even know what that was on my counter. Like she was so surprised I was putting mascara on and we laughed, but it's really important. Mascara is important or people that get their eyelashes done professionally. Just don't make them too big. Sure. That's interesting. That whole trend. I've seen them done really beautifully. And then I've seen them really done. Like we're on the stage constantly. That's an interesting. I don't know how people sleep with those big eyelashes on. (laughs) Well, they just close their eyes. I would think you think their eyes are held open by. Well, I mean, let's be honest, you know, when you're sleeping and you're sleeping on your pillow, you know, you wake up in the morning, sometimes your eyes itch or they're runny or what, you know, they're, they're irritated. When you have fake eyelashes on like that, you really can't touch your eyes very much. I'm always wondering about that. You know, I'm curious about your clients that don't wear makeup. What? They must have incredible skin or they must just, it must be something that is not important to them. They don't have incredible skin all the time. It's just not something that is important to them. But once I explain to them that it's not a cosmetic thing and that as we age, we need to take more care of our skin and we just have to do a little bit extra and it won't show all the wrinkles. It won't show all the blemishes. If you just put a little bit of light moisturizing tinted uh, moisturizer on and they do it and they actually do it. They're like, Oh, wow. Wow. I mean, some people just don't know. I think with that too, a little goes a long way. I have noticed that as I age, particularly with my eyes, you know, the hoods of the eyes or your eyes become smaller just because your skin is lax. I mean, these are all just normal things with aging that happen. I'm still going to put a smile on my face. I'm still going to feel good about going out there. But if I can give some definition to my lips, if I can, it, it takes me literally five minutes is my routine. Now, we have, <laughs> we're talking about this and our faces in particular and our skin, because we have a great guest who you have sought out. Tell us about that guest. I am so excited to have Lily Garfield as a guest on our podcast. She is the pioneer of this whole industry before, you know, the Sephora's and the Altas came in to play and she had the foresight on doing something like this. Lily Garfield is a beauty industry leader and pioneer and she is the founder of Cosbar, the original multi-brand luxury beauty retailer. It's the first of its kind. Cosbar offers a highly curated selection of prestige cosmetics and skincare products defined by its dedication to uniquely personalized service. It was founded in 1976. Lily first established the 200 square foot Aspen store as a best in class local destination and grew it into a thriving national retail operation and industry tastemaker as it is today. Not a bad place to have your first store, Aspen, Colorado. That's where she lived. We're going to talk to her about this. (laughs) We're going to find out a lot more. There is Cosbar in Edina here in Minnesota, but they're all over and you go in and it's just such a great feeling and you can tell that care has been given. So it'll really be fun because I'm not, I can't say a lot of care has been given to this face of mine over the years. And so it'll be really fun to hear that process of what went on to get this started and to come up with such beauty and the longevity. I know. Think about that. 1976. I mean, she's been through a lot of changes in the world. Just think economically, the changes in in economy, just think of the products that have come on the market. It'll be interesting to talk to her about how they choose buying and all that. Well, you know what? Let's get into it. Let's welcome Lily to the podcast. 
and start this fabulous conversation. First, we're going to take a quick little break and pay homage to our friends at Continental Diamond. Are you ready to elevate your jewelry and gift buying experience? Then you need Continental Diamond. Since 1981, Helene and Jimmy Pessis have been operating Continental Diamond. Their staff is highly trained, exceptional, and have been with them for many years, and they will help you find the exact right gift. For the past 13 years, Continental Diamond has been named Minnesota Bride's Best Jeweler. Beyond engagement rings, they have a large selection of fashion jewelry, timepieces, and they have one of the most experienced service departments around. You can visit them online at continentaldiamond.com. Go in and give yourself the gift of that experience. It's a special place located just 10 minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, right outside the West End. Plan your visit. Continental Diamond. Continentaldiamond.com. Lily, we are so excited to have you on our podcast. We've been looking forward to this so much. And I want to start by going way back. And kind of giving us a little background about you, who you are, how did you grow up, and then we'll take it from there. Okay. Hi, everybody. Uh, I grew up in New York City. I lived in Queens, part of an area called Forest Hills, went to Queens College. And this was in the early 70s, and I needed a job before I was graduating Queens College to become a school teacher. On a side note, I don't think I would want my kids to be learning from me, so that's another story. (laughs) So uh, a friend of mine was working at Bloomingdale's and uh, they were bringing in a new cosmetic brand and uh, it was like a cattle call back then. And there was about 100, 150 of us. We all interviewed for the job. And out of the 150, four of us got the position and only one of us got the position to be upstairs and Somehow or another, with the luck, I got to be, uh, I got chosen. Um, I think at that time, growing up in New York, and because I had that early 1970s look with the long, dark hair, I was told I looked like Ally McGraw back then. And Ally McGraw was the uh, face of the cosmetic brand called Love Cosmetics. Anyway, to speed things up, I... Um, worked behind the counter at Bloomingdale's for three weeks and I got asked to come into the main company and leave Bloomingdale's. Uh, Long story short, I left Bloomingdale's and now I am the account executive for Love Cosmetics for the greater New York area. The first woman in the 70s to even be in the cosmetic industry as an account executive. So this was all rather a lot of fun being a product of the 60s and 70s and the company that I had worked for, um, all I can remember back then was at a big national sales meeting, the VP said, without mentioning names, said, oh, aren't we a great company? We have one Puerto Rican, we have one black, we have one Jew, we have one woman. I'm saying, oh boy, this is a lot of fun. But anyway, I made the best of it and I saw the handwriting on the wall at uh, Love Cosmetics in New York. And um, after three years, I said, time to stop the world, I wanna get off. And uh, lo and behold, in 1974, I packed three suitcases, one pair of skis, did not know anyone, and just decided I wanna be what I wanna do, and that is a ski bump. So in 74, I moved to Aspen, and uh, I knew how the drugstores were paying, they had a very, lovely pharmacy here. And uh, I asked if they were hiring. They said, no, even with my great resume, they didn't hire me. I said, okay. And after a year and a half of so-called ski bumming it, I was a cocktail waitress, had a lot of fun doing that. And uh, it was time to get serious. And I came up with this idea because anytime any of us would go into the big cities, we'd give each other a list on what brands of cosmetics we needed, whether it was a Lancome or Janae Monte or Borghese or Clinique or any of this, we all gave each other a list of things. So we went to Denver, we would pick it up and bring it back. So I had this great idea. You know, there were shoe stores back around the country where you had different brands of shoes and there was mom and pop stores that had different brands of clothing. Why can't you have a cosmetic store that has all the different brands? So I was, 
was very fortunate being in Aspen. I found a little small space, 200 square feet. I wanted to try this out. I called Landcom. I gave them my name, who I was, what I had done. And being that it was Aspen, they said, we like the idea. That was an opening order sight unseen for $1,800, an opening order for Landcom. Then I called back, then this is now 1976, I called Jermaine Monte. Again, sight unseen, we love the idea, another order for $2,000. Then I called Borghese, and that was another opening order of $1,800. You need to understand, 40 some odd years ago, this is equivalent, like if you wanted to open Lancome today, we're talking a quarter million dollars opening orders. And then my best one was Orlan, and I'll never forget the, their ad. And their ad was, why do the rich look different from you and me? And I said, I love that. We're getting Orlan. And that was the, the start of Cosbar in 1976. Now here's the unfortunate thing of what happened in Aspen in 1976. We had a blue sky for 180 days, not one cloud in the sky. We couldn't even see the clouds. There was no such thing as making snow. And I said to myself, what did I do? The town was deserted for that season until March when we finally had snow. Uh, the following season, we had a lot of snow. It was fine. And the next thing is Cosbar just blew up just blew up where I remember the president of uh, Borghese came in and he looks at me and he says, where did you get my brand? And I said, directly from you. They never knew about, you know, that they loved this concept. Leonard Lauder, you know, I, then I got clinic and Leonard Lauder had a home here in Aspen. And to speed things up, Leonard Lauder back in the 80s said, the future of the beauty industry will be more stores in the 21st century will be more stores like Cosbar. And here we are in the 21st century. And uh, yes, I am the pioneer of doing a um, freestanding cosmetic store with multi-brands. And my intention was just giving the consumer out there what it's like not to go into a department store. So remember going back into time, you're looking at magazines, you're hearing what your friends are using and you need a new mascara. So if you walked into Cosbar today and you're saying, I need a new mascara, our beauty consultants are all trained in every product in the store. They will ask you questions. What are you looking for? Waterproof? What are you looking for? Thickening, lengthening. What was your last mascara you liked? Did you like it? Did you not like it? So there's just, they're representing you. They are not representing the brand. So when we sell to you, we're not standing behind a counter. We're standing right next to you, finding out what your needs are. And then you might say, I need a new eye cream. Well, what did you use? What are you looking for? What are your concerns? So we have a multitude of different brands to choose from, again, representing the consumer, not the brand. And this is where we are. Phenomenal. You truly were a pioneer. Where did the name come from? How did you come up with Cosbar? You say that. Uh, many times when I've seen the uh, chairman uh, the CEOs of the cosmetic industry, they asked the same question, where'd you get the name Cosmet uh, Cosbar? And I looked at them saying, really? What is the word you see in front of you every day? Cosmetics. Take the first three letters, Cos. And how that came, that has to do with Bloomingdale's. Bloomingdale's had Harry's Bar, Perfume Bar, this bar, that bar. Back then in the 70s, Let's call it, instead of a cosmetic bar, let's call it Cosbar. So that was how Cosbar got uh, named, and it is a registered name throughout the world. So nobody can use it uh, unless, you know, they sell something else, like you have the Cos Company, which sure. is owned by Urban Decay. Sure. And please tell me that somewhere along the line, you've had a cosmopolitan bar in Cosbar to celebrate. Okay, my Cosmo. Uh, <laughs> you, you did your research. Uh, when we had our grand openings, I loved the co a white Cosmo that was using white cranberry juice instead of red cranberry yeah. juice. And we would do white Cosmos uh, as our drink. Uh, 
when we did our opening. And another time what we did, we had pre-made Cosmos. And I took my staff from the Aspen store. It was the opening of the movie, Sex in the City. So all the girl, one of the girls got the tickets. We had seven seats in the middle of the movie theater. Just as they were starting the show, all seven of us stood up with our cosmos in hands and said to Sex in the City. And it was just a fun thing that we all did. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you have to have a lot of humor. The whole idea was passion. I, I was very passionate about this industry. It's a fun industry. It's like every month when we had, you know, when the boxes came of new products, all of us couldn't wait to just open it up, set up the testers. It's a very passionate uh, industry that once you're in it, you don't leave it. I was really impressed at the Adina store and full disclosure, I went in for the first time recently. I told Lisa in the intro, I have not been the kindest to this face all of these years. I've been blessed with pretty good skin. So I think that's gotten me by a lot of things, but what an experience. Mandy was the assistant manager. Lovely. We've, we've got an appointment set up. I am going back. What I felt when I walked in there was just this sense of almost relief, Lily, that it wasn't the other big box stores. It was so much more curated and comfortable. And it felt like what I would like my bathroom and my dressing room to be like every day. Well, one of our little slogans is cheers where everybody knows your name. And it's a type of place that once you go there once, you'll go back, you'll go back and say, you know, I don't know why I'm here. You'll find a new lipstick. Like you really needed a new lipstick or it's just an intoxicating environment. And my social life in Aspen was hanging out in the store because you would meet everybody. And for the consumer, we see them, you know, two, three times a week, just because, you know, after they drop their, you know, children off from school or they finish their, you know, Pilates or yoga classes, they come in in their yoga clothes. It's just a place to hang out, to say hi. That's wonderful. So you started in the 70s. Here we are, 2023. That is incredible staying power. So you had to do a lot of things right along the way, but I'm sure you had some missteps. Give us a glimpse into what probably has seemed like it was five years ago when you started at the rate time flies. The best thing I did was picking locations that were hard to get to um, and where you didn't have a Neiman's or you didn't have a sex. Macy's never bothered me. Um, and it had to be a neighborhood that I enjoyed. As my son would say, it had to have either skiing or golfing. How I got to Edina is really a great story. I am in my, uh, my Scottsdale store and this gentleman is hanging out and uh, Oh God, may he rest in peace. He just, he recently passed away. He said, I am a developer in Edina on the corner of 50th and France, which is like the 50 yard line. And uh, he said, I'd love for you to be there. And uh, I was on the mini, I'm on the Edina side. Uh, I understand how the street divides Edina and Minneapolis. I think the consumer had better tax situation. But anyway, uh, so how I, you know, one of the greatest ways of opening stores is one, picking neighborhoods that I like to play in or meeting the developers because they're the ones that really get behind Cosbar. And we, they know that we are a magnet to women shopping. So that was the good news. Competing in an indoor mall would be something I tried not a good idea. And uh, we're better off being on a main street location of smaller communities. Well, and, and clearly what you found is, I mean, would it be fair to say that you were really, you really are a boutique environment. You're very curated and you must do a lot of research 
in determining and have great buyers to bring in the lines that you bring in? Well, until 2015, I was doing all the buying. Well, I did have assistant buyers, but I was the main merchandiser. So I had to give them their final approval. And uh, today it's under my son's management, which is being run a little bit differently, but it's still the same DNA. And yes, the buyers are very good. They try products and they intend for the certain consumers that are our target consumer that we know we can sell it, that you will enjoy it. Do you ever carry brands that are more exclusively online versus in big box stores? Or are the lines, I mean, I go into your store a lot and I I purchase things at your store, but I don't know all of what you carry. So there's so many now new online cosmetic makeup and, you know, hair care products and everything. Do you carry some of those? No, uh, I don't personally. Uh, I believe in high touch, not high tech. And to me, online is high tech. I believe more of the um, online should be replenishment. Um, because how do you know what a perfume smells like? How do you know what that color of a lipstick or an eyeshadow really is, uh, or the same thing for a color of a nail polish. It varies so much by the tone of your own computer. Um, you know, what kind of lighting? I mean, and to me, I don't believe, you know, we, we're, we're not a Sephora. Sephora has a lot of those brands that you can only get online. And to me, I'm very much into uh, high touch. I mean, I think that's fantastic. And I, I love that about the store. I, I didn't know if you did carry some of them. So now that I know that, I like that even more. But I agree with everything you're saying. It's very difficult to order that stuff strictly online. I mean, I know if you don't like it, you can return it, of course. But it's nice to come in and have that personal customer service that today you really don't have. And that's the beauty of your store. I think the consumer is going to find out that she still wants to go into a store and have communication. I agree 100%. Okay. The woman that doesn't want to and wants to only shop online, I can't bring her into my store. She's dead set against it. Again, Cosbar cannot appeal to the masses. You've got to set your target, only targeting 5% of the population. And that to me is a, a very sophisticated customer who wants the time. She wants the explanation on why these products work in whether it's skincare or whether it's hair products. One of the things I remember telling younger children, you know, younger girls coming in with their moms, and that is just because a product works on a friend of yours don't think it's going to work on you because you might have different needs that you don't see. So you're, let's just go back to your shampoo, looking at your hair. There's a lot to be said when we see your hair in person, the texture, the color, the, the way, you know, all these different things. And therefore we have an assortment of different shampoos that we can explain to you, what are you looking for in a shampoo? And we can give you that information a lot faster than you second guessing on the internet. You know, they'll give you the answer, but you might not be happy with it. And the trial and error. And you look at the, you look at the online products, they're not inexpensive. So it depends on where you want to spend your time. Do you want to spend your time online, clicking, possibly ordering it maybe works. It doesn't work. Now you've got to send it back. Or do you want to take that same time and walk into your store and have a lovely experience with somebody who can dial into what you actually need? It's a, it's a little like we had Nani Nalu is a, is a store that is down the way from you in Edina and they specialize in swimwear. And it is an experience. You book an appointment, you go in, they were our last guest. Uh, Jen Cermak is an incredible and the same, it's really a very same concept from what you're doing is you want that person in there. You want to have that experience of finding out what their true needs are so that you can truly have a, a client, a customer, a guest, whatever you want to call them, walk out feeling like, okay, this was time well spent. Absolutely. Think about the amount of time you spend on that internet, finding, filling out, product comes in and you're not getting immediate gratification. You got to wait until that product comes into your hand. And then you find out you don't like it. Now you got to rewrap it, get the label, 
and then go to the UPS or the FedEx store, you could have spent that time walking into a store and getting your needs met. Love it. So, I want to talk a little bit more about your business experience and how you went from one to many, but we're going to take a quick break and we will be back with tons more questions, I'm sure, plus a few specialties that Lisa's got up her sleeve. So, okay. Look forward to seeing you guys. We are with Bridget Edwards from Sheer Brothers Custom Closets. Tell us what sets Sheer Brothers Custom Closets apart from the many other options people have both online and locally. Well, I think the biggest thing is that we've been around for almost 30 years. We started up in 1995, and what this means is that we'll be there if you want to add to your project on the line. Sheer Brothers Custom Closets is not a franchise. What does that mean? I think the biggest thing is that our manufacturing facility is located in the same building as our showroom and offices. So this allows for great communication and latitude between manufacturing and design. Some companies have to limit their selections, shelf depths, and drawer depth, among other things. We offer complete customization without the added cost. Because we use optimization in our manufacturing process, you simply pay for the material that you use. Since we manufacture everything locally, our prices are very competitive. What's the best way for people to initiate working with Shear Brothers? The best way is either to call or you can go onto our website and from there a designer will be in touch with you and we'll get the process started. The website is shearbrosclosets.com. Phone number is 763-531-7400. And what's the usual time between contact and setting up an appointment? We try to give you a call or email back within 24 hours at the absolute most. I would have to say that Shear Brothers Custom Closets helps you get your zen on. Great way to put it. I love that. And we are back. Lily, starting a business and having the longevity that you have has certainly brought its ups and downs. I want to go back to the beginning again. Did you have business acumen? Was your family in any kind of business? So you had a background or did you really pick that up through your Bloomingdale's experience? Good question. Because it's interesting. My uh, son just graduated. Anderson's school of getting his MBA. And there's so much macro and micro and all this that to me, it was all gut. You know, don't ask me to read a PL statement. Don't ask me to read a balance statement. I don't care. Uh, all I knew was total from gut. And that's how I worked the business. Uh, my parents are Holocaust survivors. So they came to this country under false names just to get out of Germany. And so all I knew about my parents was that was being street smart. So no, I, there was no business acumen that I was involved with. It was just figuring it out and uh, starting slow. The best thing, the best advice I got in my first few months of starting the business was my banker when he said, don't let the vendors make you stock up on inventory. He said, turn your inventory faster without putting that much money into it. So one of the things I did know was through trial and error, I started in smaller locations. It's easier to outfit a 400 square foot store or a 600 square foot store. Once you get to the point where you can't breathe in that store, then we move on to a larger. So this is how Aspen store got started, went from 200 to 400 square feet to 800 square feet, and then to about 1200 square feet. And we're very, very comfortable in 1200 square feet, but that's also a store that's now 47 years old. And we just will stay in that size. I mean, we will never be a 3000 square foot store like a Sephora or an Ulta. It, it loses its, um, its cachet of that intimacy. You know, if you want to be in a big 2,000, 3,000 square foot store, don't go to Cosborough. Okay. Makes sense. And how many stores do you have now? There are 20. And your succession plan, you mentioned your son. How long has he been involved in the business? Well, we did have a succession back in the end of 2015. Um, interestingly, my husband, was diagnosed with cancer in 2015 and panic struck. Um, we can talk about this later, but I've had cancer, but it's a lot different when your significant other, when your best friend has the cancer and you're just, he was my, he's my ever ready battery. You know, I just, 
it just felt really good. But knowing that he, the big light came on, it was already 40 years and I realized I need a succession. So after years of being in the business, we knew we had national notoriety. Thank you to your uh, hometown Target. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of what Cosbar did with Target. Uh, I just knew it was time to step down and uh, also get into the 21st century because I knew the head office was in Aspen and we did not have enough people. You know, when you talk about, you know, computer savvy or high tech savvy, um, I did not have the trust of finding, you know, people. And this was a time when I decided let's bring in a partner and we partnered with a private equity and they kept me on for a while, but they kept my son on as COO and then he became the CEO. So it was a very easy transition. It was a very comfortable transition where I felt very safe that he was now the new person running this, you know, running Cosbar. Tell us about the target connection. Uh, this goes back in 2011. I remember I was here in Aspen in the kitchen and I get a phone call on my cell phone. And I forgot who it was, but they said that we're the, we are the marketing team from Target. And I'm saying, all right, you know, my uh, skepticism, like, yeah, right. Well, we want you to curate. Said, yeah, right. You want me to curate. Like, I'm a little, you know, mom and pop store. You can call Estee Lauder. You can call L'Oreal. No, no, we want to talk to you. We'll come to wherever you are. So lo and behold, I said, fine, I'll be in Scottsdale meet me at my store and lo and behold four people from target shows up at my store and they're buying products they said great follow us we're going to a hotel they had a room there they locked the door with me and my husband was there my husband is an attorney and they said we need for you to sign this nda and uh, we signed it and uh, they told us what they were doing that was called the shops at target and what the parameters were, you could not have a store back then in New York or LA. It had to be in a remote place. You had to have excellent customer service and Cosper was chosen for beauty. And I had to be, and we had to curate 44 products only in accessories. It could not be perfume. It could not be cosmetics and could not be treatment because it was an in and out. And it was amazing how fast we were able to create 44 pieces in three visits. And the rest, and then finally, you know, a year later gets shown up on the end caps of Target and over 1700 doors around the country. And it was like, wow, you know, I would have paid them. They paid me for this. I said, I would have paid them for the notoriety. <laughs> and uh, so it was a great, wonderful experience. We were the first. Uh, the week that they were about to announce it, I had to go to New York and I had to go sit with the presidents of the big companies like Chanel, you know, Lancome, Lauder, and explain to them that Cosbar is going to be at Target, but we are not featuring any of your products. They're using the name Cosbar where we're curating. And that was it. That's how we got, uh, we got the notoriety and I took advantage of it. That's fantastic. It what, was a great, what a great story. Oh, it was, as I said, I would have paid that. <laughs> you talk about the ups and the downs. And again, not so much a cool, cool cucumber, but really, I think knowing your history and knowing that your parents came from as Holocaust survivors, they had to have that, that gut instinct. So that was honed truly through them. Have they been able, are they still with us to see your success? No, they passed away quite a few years ago, but they've seen, you know, since I started in 76, they had seen a lot of it. And uh, my father was very, very proud of me. And so was my mother. And uh, I don't think they really grasped where we were in uh, like 2012 with Target. Um, but it was pretty exciting. No, they were, they were supportive when they saw what I was doing. Lily, what does your day look like? What, give us an average day when you were back in the thick of it. How did you approach the day? Okay, 
this is not being a spoiled little brat. Um, I worked in my spare time. That meant in the morning, I would get up in the winter, I'd go ski from nine to 11 and then come into the office and come into the store. <laughs> in the summer, I'd get up, play golf at eight o'clock or 8.30 and then come to the office around 12 o'clock. One of the things I've always pontificated to my staff, do not make your career more important than anything in your life. One of the things I owe this to Gloria Steinem, I will never be great at anything. I'll be, I'm, I'm a good businesswoman, I'm a good wife, I'm a good mother, but to be an, a, and a good athlete, but to be great, you've got to sacrifice everything just for that one thing. And I wasn't about to sacrifice anything, but I'm good at everything I do. And I, that's my goal. So my day would always consist of getting some activity in and then going to work. So my little saying was, I work in my spare time. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> well, it's, it's worked for, it, and it's worked for you. Yeah, I would get upset if I saw managers working past a certain hour saying, come on, this is not about Cosper. This is about something where you're, you don't want to go home. Go on home. Go take the time off. Go ski. You know, if it's 10 inches of powder, I totally get it. Go and enjoy it. I'm getting a glimmer into part of why you were and are continue to be so successful just with that attitude and and, and even just the short conversation I had with Mandy, any Dinah who has been there over 10 years and the longevity comes from having good management and people in place that care about you. And that comes through loud and clear. Talk about how things changed with the cancer diagnosis. As you said, it really caused you to change your business model. When I was diagnosed, I did not keep it a secret to my staff, but I did keep it under the radar with the vendors. And so it, it happened that Oliver came into the business uh, when I was running it and he took over. In fact, I believe it was in 2012, no, in 2007 or eight is when we opened up Edina. And Edina was one of the stores that he opened while I was sick until I was well enough. That's when we had our grand opening. And it was, um, you know, I watched what Oliver was doing and, you know, I still kept involved with the business, but I was more behind the scenes and that lasted for about six months. And you're doing marvelously. You've beat cancer. Yes. And I beat it through the help of uh, MD Anderson. And my feeling is it takes, it takes more than a hospital. It takes a village. Living here in Aspen was an amazing experience with not only friends, but acquaintances, people who really didn't know me, but had heard. And one of the things that I will pay forward is letting people know, if you know somebody who is sick, they're not your best friend, but you know of them, please send them a text saying, hey, hearing you're going through some tough times, sending you know my prayers and wishes for you. You just feel like the whole world has stopped for you, but yet you, it's really, really important to reach out send that message, send a card. It just puts a smile on the person going through treatment. And then you have your family with the tremendous support and it's yourself. I do believe that through saying to yourself, my time is not ready. You know, I'm not ready to give in. And through the help of modern medicine, I think all those three will get you through. And how about your husband? How is he doing? He's also in total, we call it remission or we call it it's you know, it's over. He's uh, been clean for uh, since 2015. So we're talking seven, eight years. That is wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. So what does your day look like now? Well, after we speak, I'm headed to the golf course. I got a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a, uh, I'm a golf junkie. Uh, I play about five days a week. Uh, when I'm not here in Aspen, um, I have a home in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I play there. Well, you and Lisa are going to have to get together in Scottsdale and play. Yes, Lisa's good friends with my buddy. There you go. So, you guys so will you, have to, you have to meet up on the golf course. Maybe I'll come over from Palm Springs. You can, sure. you can drag me along. We'll get you there. 
Absolutely. Actually, Lily, the, the day that I met you, you had just had a hole in one. That's <gasps> right. And Pat was with me. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That was so that's my, when that, I met her. She had just had a hole right. in one. That's right. That was my sixth hole in one. What? That's, <laughs> that's fabulous. Oh okay. My so God. now we know you are a little bit lucky as well. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not going to take okay. no. the skill. The skill. <laughs> no, it's, there's a lot of luck. Trust me. Even the pros know there's a lot of luck. That's fantastic, Lily. Lisa, what you got a couple of our good standard questions. Yes. Do you have like a favorite lucky piece? Like when you were negotiating or you were doing things, did you ever have something that you always made sure you were wearing or you carried? No, but one of the things prior to getting, you know, getting cancer if I had meetings with CEOs or presidents, I always knew that you had to have a power bag. So yes, I would spend the extra dollars and get a power bag because I thought that makes, you know, you're not driving in with a car, you're driving in with your purse. It doesn't make a difference what you're wearing. That CEO, that president is watching you with, you know, especially in this industry, in the luxury industry, you need to look the part. You need to look like you know what you're doing. Ever since having cancer, Judith Ripka, the jeweler, she had heard what happened to me. I did her makeup one time and she remembers me and she created a uh, high for me that I never take off. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's my, uh, that, that's really your lucky piece. That's, that's your the lucky piece today. The high. That's beautiful. That's Thank you. beautiful. Okay. And tell me what a high is guys. You say you go for it. Well, it means it's, to life. It's the 18th letter of the Hebrew alphabet. That means yeah. High means life. Life, life. I mean, a lot, a lot of people wear their high. A lot of people wear a hamsa. I've got both. I wear a hamsa on my wrist every day. I don't take it off. So, you know, it's it's really kind of one or the other that a lot of women like to wear. Or, it or wards, yeah, it wards off the evil. Yes, or yeah. sickness, or, or sickness. good health, or exactly. Lily, what do you think your superpower is? Survivorship not uh, feeling sorry for myself. I will share this with you uh, because you're sick as your secrets. I was abused as a child uh, sexually by my father. So uh, we have choices to make and how we get through it. I'm not going to say poor me. I've worked through it mentally on, you know, it wasn't my fault and uh, just go on and don't let things get in your way. What an incredible person you are. And I really, I, I have to go back to all these stores and all these people you have curated, not just the products, but the people and the women, I would think predominantly who have learned from you and who have gone on to have successful careers, whether staying with your company or going out and doing things on their own. You have taken some pretty awful experiences and turned them around and given them your power and I just, hope so. you know, again, it's being honest, uh, not having a facade, uh, just reminding, you know, where we came from and, you know, it's, you know, we're here today, granted, but what, what were the things that brought us here? Like if somebody said to me, if I had to do it all over again, would things have been different? No, I wouldn't be who I was today or I wouldn't be where I am today. If not for these experiences of growing up, with parents who are survivors of the Holocaust, fathers, you know, what he did, you know, the way my mother treated me. I could go on and on and say, poor me, poor me, poor me. But it's like, that's not going to get me anywhere. A stiff upper lip, keep on going. You're on your own. We come into this world alone. We're going to leave alone. Make the best of it. Could I also add to that, though, that you have done the work to get yourself through these yes. things? And that yes. part was very important as well. And it's also surrounding yourself with people who are supportive of you. I have a wonderful husband who's extraordinarily supportive of me. I've got two fabulous sons who are very supportive of me. And it's it's all good. You know, it's what you put out there is what you're going to get back. It's being, it's being honest. It's really being honest. It is really wonderful. It is the energy of you and your honesty is is really breathtaking. 
in a good way. Thank you. Now let's go to MD Anderson. They are who you've picked as your nonprofit spotlight. And you're also on the board. Talk a little bit about that experience. Well, they're the ones that have the most clinical trials in the world. Uh, They are a cancer institution, not a center. There are over so many of the pharmaceutical companies will join MD Anderson for uh, research. In fact, uh, MD Anderson's uh, Dr. Jim Allison won the Nobel Prize on medicine on melanoma. They have created so many new clinical trials where people have better chances of going from 30% to 80% to 90% survival rate. And look, we're all going to get hit by it. I mean, it's, you know, cancer will show up when you don't, when you least expect it. And um, if you want to get to the best place in the world, you go to MD Anderson. And being on the board and anybody who's watching me, I think. They're more than glad to contact me. I will make that, get them in faster than their own doctor can get them in. In fact, there was somebody from Minnesota, from Minneapolis, without mentioning names, sight unseen. I got her in a matter of 24 hours and um, she's a survivor of breast cancer. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yes. MDAnderson.org is the website for further information. The quality information they have without even going there is amazing. You learn a lot by being on that website, having had experience with friends being there. Lily, how do people get a hold of you? If contact info at cosbar.com, they will send uh, me their information. And if they have any questions or they want to share something with me, I'd be more than happy to share anything they would like to share. Any last thoughts, Lisa? Well, I'm just taking it all in and uh you you're just an amazing woman and uh, i thank you for being on this podcast and you have probably given a lot of women who are going to listen to this podcast a lot of great life advice and i think you've touched everybody you always touch everybody that you are surrounded by because you just have this energy about you so i can't thank you enough for being on this podcast My pleasure. And thank you for reaching out. And this was wonderful. And I hope to hear from everybody again soon. Thank you, Lily. Thank you. Well, I'm flying high. I don't know about you, Lisa. Uh, Yeah, she, I I needed that today. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. She is a wonderful, amazing woman. And I think anybody that listens to this episode will get something out of it to keep with them in their back pocket. Yeah. And it's a lesson too, isn't it? That learning comes from everywhere if you're open to it. Exactly. And, you know, like she said, I don't feel sorry for myself. You know, she just kept moving forward, found different ways to make her life better and kept forging forward. Yeah, it was great. What a lovely experience. Thank you for setting that up. Fabulous, fabulous time. If people want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? They can email me at lisa at wardrobeconsulting.net or they can go to my website, wardrobeconsulting.net. And how about you, Katie? I am Katie at katieharms.com and website is katieharms.com. Please feel free to reach out to us. The viewinyourmirror.com also is probably the easiest way to get information on the show, to see all the episodes, to connect through to both of our individual emails as well. We do have a link on there for discounts that we do have available through our association with some great companies. So feel free to use that as well. If you have a suggestion for someone you think we should be talking to or who would be fantastic, throw that out as well. We hope you have an opportunity to follow us, like us, subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you have. But most importantly, when you look in your mirror, we hope that you realize you are a compilation of everything good and wonderful and the experiences in your life that you've had and the bumps along the way, and that you are the one and only you unique in all the world. And that is just perfect until next time. (laughs) 